Welcome, welcome everyone. Welcome to another Wednesday night movie. I'm very excited tonight. I'm very excited because we have such a juicy movie for the topics that came in in the top two. This is so juicy. I mean, there were many potentialities and possibilities, but we have a classic, classic movie. Uh, and when something's a classic for us, it means you could watch it 50 times and feel the healing energy rolling over you and rolling through your consciousness because it's so good at dealing with really a very, very, very powerful set of topics. And our, our topics that came in this week at the top of this survey was fear of full transparency. You know, every, every one of us, we enter into earth, we go into relationships, um, and then we're searching for love through the relationships, but all of a sudden things get a lot stickier, and then there's a lot of darkness, and sometimes we feel like we're in a contract, like some kind of a bargain, that we're, we're navigating with, with a partner or with other people, and then sometimes we're walking on eggshells because we don't want to tip the apple cart, we don't want to rock the boat. And oftentimes in relationships, it tied into our personality identity, we are caught up in so much compromise that after a while the relationships seem to be very straining, very draining, they seem to be intense. You have people on the radio that come on and say, well, yep, relationships are hard work, hard work. You have to maintain them. It sounds like they're more work than, a, than maintaining an automobile uh, with all the oil changes and tire changes and, and maintenance and required maintenance. It's almost like relationships, which are supposed to be the greatest blessing in spiritual awakening, sometimes turn into the dead zone, where there's not a lot of vibrancy and joy and energy, and you should be uplifted. But that's because of those top two issues fear of transparency and seeking approval. The transparency, you know, it's not really a transparency of a personality self, it's more letting the light inside you shine through, shine through you. And then as you let the light shine through you, you feel stronger and stronger that you are the light. And, and then you wake up to heaven. But in terms of fear of full transparency, there is an enormous fear of rejection. There's an enormous fear of betrayal. There's an enormous fear of abandonment. And that's why people bite their lip. That's why people bite their tongue. That's why people don't say what they need to say. They just swallow it. They stuff it. They push it out of awareness rather than rock the boat because they're afraid of rejection, abandonment. They're afraid of uh, loneliness. So in psychological terms, relationships in this world are, are often called codependency. And what that is, is the ego set the world up 
to forget who you are, forget your true identity, and then the world, the personality self, and all the other figures that are in the world are all part of an external mask that was made to hide you from knowing who you are and knowing the truth. So in the, this past weekend, Francis was talking about how the body suffers in order that, that the mind doesn't have to see that it's suffering. So anytime there's relationship suffering, it's because the mind doesn't want to see that it's suffering. When every time there's body symptoms, there's physical pain experience, it's because the mind doesn't want to be exposed as suffering. The mind that believed it separated from God is pretty good at covering itself with a mask of persons, relationships, seemingly external events, when actually none of it is external and all of the suffering is going on in the sleeping mind. Or if you remember from the weekend, the, the dream you dream in secret, that as I talked about this weekend, that's where that's where all the tension is, that's where all the guilt is, that's where all the fear is. So, the fear of transparency is really the fear of exposing the ego, because um, Jesus really didn't have any problem with transparency. I and the Father are one, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Before Abraham was, I am. I call that 100% transparency. He was just a witness. He knew who he was and he wasn't afraid to share it because he knew it was blessing the whole universe. His identity was so bright that everything he think, thought and said and did and felt was an expression of divinity. And it didn't have any kind of ego hiding going on. There were no secrets in the mind of Jesus because he, he fully gave everything over to the Holy Spirit and then he became this beautiful transparent light. So whenever Jesus was speaking, he was speaking for the whole universe. He was speaking for the entire universe without hesitation, without uncertainty, without holding back he was able to shine his light fully because he was fully aware of who he was. Now for human beings that is a potentiality, but for human beings they're afraid uh, of, of the love. They're afraid of the light. They're afraid that if they sh really share what's on the inside that somehow the whole world's going to come down on their head. You know, uh, And that's why I've even had people who look at the course and they go, what do you do? You study this book for 10 years and then you go stand on a street corner and tell everybody that you're Jesus? I said, no, it doesn't really work that way. Uh, you know, I think for some of us we would have liked it. We just could read it for 10 years and stand on a street corner and tell everybody we're Jesus. It seems a little bit easier than what we have to go through. What we have to go through is like facing a lot of darkness and a lot of fear. That, that comes up. So the fear of transparency is we're going to really go, go and see it exposed in this movie tonight. And then the wanting approval fits in with the fear of transparency because the ego identity is so frail, is so vulnerable, it's so shaky 
that it needs a lot of externals to prop it up. That's why uh, the world says you need lots of approval, you need to have lots of praise and adulation, uh, you need to have very high self-esteem, uh, the ego says, because um, you have to feel good about yourself. So the ego's plan is to have you develop a self-concept that is, has a lot of strong armor on it, that you, you build a lot of false self-concept based on externals, and then occasionally even that, the, the armor can seem to get pierced. Because the self that is being protected by all that armor, all those defense mechanisms, all those possessions, all those skills and abilities, that armor is really protecting a false self and, and that self is going to be exposed. It will seem to uh, dwindle away and it will seem to disappear. I also like the fact that we're, here we are on Wednesday and we're doing this on, on uh, self-esteem and uh, approval, wanting approval and, and transparency of really exposing that false self-esteem so you can see that you're the Christ. But also this weekend we're doing the Japanese uh, Take Me Home retreat and in the Japanese culture there's very much about being polite and, and being agreeable and I've had some, uh, some of the Japanese core students have been writing in this week saying you know, I, I really try to be kind and loving and polite, but sometimes I've got such anger underneath. Uh, and, and we can identify that. We can see how sometimes we try to put on a happy mask and a kind mask and a loving mask, and yet there's some turmoil, some rage going on, bubbling under the surface, like lava under, under a volcano. And that's because until we expose and release the self-hatred that is felt by believing in the ego, then even if you have a face of innocence mask on that's sometimes wet with tears, Jesus says, at the injustices of the world, it's, it's still part of a, of a two-tier self-concept and the self-concept that it was given away is the face of innocence. So that's the personality self that's presented to the world. And then there's this dark unconscious self that he says is the dream that you dream in secret. And this movie is, is such a spectacular movie. Number one, it's, it's actually based on, on a true story, so to speak, on something that actually happened in New York City. And so the characters in this are, are really representing something that played out and Sometimes these movies are so classic that you kind of have a feeling like, yeah, they, this one, wow, where did they come up with this one? It came up with it based on a, a true story of, of, um, of, of a series of events in, in New York City. Uh, this is a love story, it's a romance, it's a vibrational relationship movie because in this world, when you have a self-concept, you have a set of beliefs that are part of all the relationships that you experience and then that set of beliefs and that mask of, of personhood and relationship all has to come undone. And because it has to come undone, 
it means that it has to be purified. And what it has to be purified of is just this ego desire to get something from the world, or get something from another person, or get something from a partner. So in this movie tonight, we're going to see a couple relationships on display, and these are, these are definitely uh, special relationships in the sense that there is, there's a lot of tension in these interpersonal relationships. There's clearly, a, the getting mechanism is, is very active in both relationships, and there's not a lot of happiness or peace in either relationship. And then the Holy Spirit is going to use reconfiguration of, of personal relationships, reconfiguration of circumstances to flush up all the darkness that is underneath these special relationships and then to take them into a higher realm toward the lightness, towards the connection, towards the high high level of communication that's required in holy relationship. In the movie, uh, the movie title is It Could Happen to You. And this one, I, I remember when I first watched it, my heart was just, my heart vibrations were just swirling and swirling. And um, it's got a little bit of, of everything in it. I do remember um, one of the things that I really liked in this movie was the song kind of in the middle of it because I used to go to the nursing home to visit my grandmother Lillian and I would serenade her in the nursing home with this song. She would be sitting there in her wheelchair and I would sit down on a, like a couch or a bed across from her and I would just look at her, she's in her 90s, and I would sing, maybe my voice is not quite like Frank Sinatra, but I still gave it my best shot. And it's, this is like a happy dream song. This, you can feel the vibrations underneath this song because it's a call into not compromising in our life, not compromising your calling, not compromising in your relationships, and going higher and higher into the light. And some of you might recognize this song. It starts out, Fairy tales can come true, it could happen to you, if you're young at heart. It's a beautiful song. And then the part that I really like, And if you should survive to a hundred and five, look at all you'll derive out of being alive. And here is the best part. You have a head start if you are among the very young at heart. So I would sing this to Lillian. She's probably in her 90s and she's like thinking, survive to 105. <laughs> she, was, she got all sparkly. Woo! Here we go. We're just starting here. <laughs> Another 10 years. <laughs> but she lived, her, she lived her life that way. She was very happy. And so when I would sing this song to her, she would just get happy, cry, and, and we would just be in the joy, even though she was in her 90s. 
And that's, that's a theme song in this movie. Uh, it's, it's about the happy dream, that if you're in your purpose, and in your, if you're in your joy, then the whole dream that you perceive lights up and you actually do have a happy dream. And you don't go back to heaven until you have a happy dream first. So, I like this movie because this movie is really to me about becoming more transparent, opening towards full transparency, releasing the, the belief in the need for approval. Imagine if God created you perfect in creation, how silly this idea is, is that you need approval to be happy. Uh, it's really ridiculous when you think about it, that, that there's an approval required to be who you are, an approval required to be happy. Jesus is telling us, no, you have a purpose inside your heart, and the Holy Spirit's in there, and if you just follow the Holy Spirit, you will be happy beyond anything that you can even imagine just from following this, this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful purpose. But as you follow the Holy Spirit, you are not going to keep reacting and responding to the dream figures. You are not going to react and respond to the images. You are going to light the world up. And as Jesus said to the apostles at the end of his earthly life, he said, Be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. There's a purpose that we have inside that lifts us higher in terms of vibration and frequency. And really that's all these bodies are, are these are very dense concepts. It, they're so dense that they actually seem solid. <laughs> it's, there's such a slow vibration. Believe me, even in terms of this world, you know, Einstein talked about everything uh, moves at the speed of light, uh, but he was talking about the physical light, like the, the light that, that we see reflected off of stars and suns that, that seem to come to our eyes, even though it's really the other way around, they're just projections. But that speed of light is a very high vibration, and in this world the, the things that we call planets and bodies are just slower and slower uh, vibrations. They're very, they're just slow frequencies, slow uh, wave functions. And as you go higher and higher in consciousness, you can even have experiences of what the world calls out-of-body experiences, or um, transportations, teleportation experiences, but even those are just still symbols, because that just means that you're getting higher and higher into the frequencies, the higher frequencies. In this movie, Bridget Fonda plays a waitress and she has just come out of a relationship with her husband, Eddie. And Eddie is, he's a player. He's, uh, he, he, he's always trying to get an advantage. He's, he is someone that she is, has feel, felt very, very uh, worn out with because um, he does, he's, he hasn't been truthful. He, he's, he's kind of like liar liar. He's like a, he's a, he's very much uh, using the mode of deception all the time and she's just happy to have just divorced him 
but also she is not so well off financially and she has this waitressing job and things are not going her way with credit cards and she's struggling uh, and she's and Eddie seems to keep trying to show up to get money from her <laughs> and so she's she's in what we would call a a pretty heavy codependent relationship wow it's heavy we've got the sound coming through here it's pretty heavy it's because there's so much deception involved in the relationship yeah <laughs> That's Eddie. <laughs> I was trying to describe Eddie and, and the Holy Spirit said, I'll give you a little help. There's the sound of it. That's Eddie. Eddie's a, a grating sound. <laughs> and she feels worn out. She's actually very worn out because of this relationship. And then uh, Nicholas Cage is involved in a, her relationship. Um, he, he's involved in a relationship uh, with... with a woman named Muriel in the movie. And Muriel is, she's also into getting. Both Eddie and Muriel are big time into getting, getting. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Get, get, get. And so she is complaining all the time. Whereas Eddie's just trying to always get, but he's very clever and sly and deceptive. Muriel is more overt. She's just unhappy and she just complains and complains and complains that nothing is ever good enough. She feels she is worth much more and that her husband should be doing, giving to her. She should be living in a different place. She's not happy with, with uh, their relationship. She's not happy with life because she's into getting mode. Again, this is just a reflection of the ego belief. So. Some of us can say we may have had circumstances, situations, relationships like this too, where it was all based on what have you done for me lately? What are you going to do for me? What are you going to get for me? How can I get more? How can you help me get more? That These are, are so ego-based that if you find yourself in these kind of situations, you really need to seriously ask yourself, wow, what a reflection of my mind. If, if I'm in a, a codependent or a, a bargaining or a getting relationship, then this is where you really do need to take a close look at what's going on in your mind and really pray to the Holy Spirit, please expose these things because I know this is not your will for me. And if these are the tendencies that you're finding reflected in your world and in your relationships, then the prayer of the heart is, please help me to go higher in my mind. Please help me to, to begin to open up and know who I am. So we have two relationships and they're both very, very codependent relationships because of the heavy emphasis on getting. And then the Holy Spirit will come into these, both of these relationships and through a series of circumstances will offer the opportunity to flip the purpose around to giving from, from getting. So, so we will see the waitress uh, uh, and we will see the, the cop, that's uh, Nicholas Cage plays a police officer. We will see the waitress and the police officer 
turned around. Both of them are already, you can see, into service. She's a waitress. Is there anybody here who ever did any waitressing? You know, yeah, there's, it's totally a service occupation. You know, you know, you're, you, get a, you get a few tips, the, the wages are not so good. You've got all these interactions with the public, you know, with customers all the time. And it's a great opportunity to be of service. I mean, anybody who's been into waitressing, you, you are put in a circumstance every single day you go to work to show up and believe me, attitude counts. And all of us know when we go to restaurants, uh, it's not just about serving food. That's just the surface of it. It's the attitude. What is the attitude? And so she's dealing with this ex-Eddie. We don't need the sound effects anymore. Uh, Eddie. Uh. She's dealing with this going on in her life. Even though she's divorced him, she's it's just still in her system, in her mind. And she's trying to go to work and to be of the best service she can. She doesn't really have the best boss at work either. She, she's got a lot of forgiveness lessons going on. And then you've got um, Nicholas Gage, who's playing a, a police officer. And, and actually, police officers, I think, like waitresses, are public servants. You know, they're, they're dealing with the public on a daily basis. And, and they're out there patrolling, walking the streets, and a lot of their job depends on attitude too. As we know what's going on right now in the whole world with race relations and in the United States, defunding police, you know, there's a huge movement to defund police office, officers and police forces because of brutality and because of the, the anger and the hatred and the rage that can come up. But actually we could say, like a waitress, a, a police officer is like a, a public servant. So that's another situation where you have huge opportunities for forgiveness. There's a friend of mine too who's over in Barcelona and he's, he's watching my videos and he's a police officer. And I did a video call with him about a month ago and, and his, uh, his partner was saying, yeah, he, he does watch your videos and he's, he confided he actually watches videos of mine while he's on duty. <laughs> so I thought, okay, that's pretty good. You know, maybe just tucked off to the side a little bit, a little downtime there. He's working on the attitude. He's trying to be pleasant, to be joyful, to be loving, to be forgiving as a police officer over there in Barcelona. So, but in this case, this movie is going to go much deeper into the psyche, into the mind of what's going on with the thoughts and the beliefs. I feel whenever I watch this movie that, that Bridget Fonda's character uh, and Nicolas Cage's character, they both, they are praying underneath for happiness. They are praying for joy. They want to learn how to, to give from their hearts. And they want to learn how to have a happy relationship because both of their relationships have been very, very dark. And even when you're experiencing a relationship where you don't feel a fulfillment, you don't feel bursting joy, you don't feel bursting happiness, then that's an opportunity 
to pray and to to shift the purpose so that you take that purpose and you start to bring that purpose really strong and you let it come through. When that happens, uh, you really also have to let Jesus and the Holy Spirit orchestrate time and space because that's the only way that the fulfillment of that purpose works is that the time and space have to be orchestrated because time and space just represent symbols. And it's only the Holy Spirit and Jesus that really know how to, to bring those symbols, those witnesses of that, that vast love to us. You can't be there as a person plotting your future life and saying, okay now, I've got to figure out how to be happy, because that's, we've all tried it that way. And no matter how much we try to plan for our own happiness, the reason it never works is because we're using our past learning and our past experiences to plan our future happiness. And Jesus is saying, that's why it doesn't work. Because you need a new purpose. You need to let present trust lead the way. If you're going for true holy relationship and happiness, then you have to let present trust direct the way. You can't let your past learning because that past learning is coming from the ego. That's past learning is what you got you into the problem in the first place. So what got you into the problem is not going to get you out of the problem. It's going to take present trust to open up the mind and open up those reconfigurations. So I think you're going to really enjoy this movie. I will, will pop in from time to time. To me, this is like a feel-good movie. Every single time I watch it over the years, I always feel lightness. I feel joy. Uh, and also, uh, there was a singer, some of you might have heard from, about called Isaac Hayes. Isaac Hayes plays an angel. His name is literally Angel in the movie. And he is used as, as an angel. Uh, I think he's like a photographer and a journalist, but he's, he's used by the Holy Spirit as, as the angel character in this movie. And uh, some of you might remember Isaac Hayes. He did that song, Shaft. Dun, 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 shaft. Dun, dun, dun. You know. Maybe that's before everyone's time. <laughs> Susan Jameson. Susan Jameson, there we go. <laughs> Marina's looking like, Shaft? What kind of a name is that? Shaft? <laughs> that was a song. <laughs> and that was one of Isaac Hayes' hits. Shaft. He was, he, it was also, I think, a, a TV show where he played Shaft. He was kind of like a, a cool detective or something like the police officer detective. So it's good that he's in this movie with, with police officers. So, so sit back, enjoy the ride, Expect to feel miracles burbling and swirling in your heart and, and expect to see witnesses of when you follow the Holy Spirit's purpose, all of time and space gets rearranged. And even they're even going to get a chance to uh, let go of fear of, uh, of seeking approval even from society in this movie, even from New York City they actually get purified of their desire for societal uh, people-pleasing, societal approval. It's, so it's got it on the personal level, interpersonal level, and even at the societal level. So enjoy. Enjoy the movie.
Okay. <laughs> All right. You know, it's, it's interesting that that distinction between giving and getting is so covered over in this world by layers and layers and layers of complexity, but in this particular circumstance it's just all the reporters are, are drawn to the story because it seems so extraordinary to give the gift to a stranger two million dollars. In fact, that in New York City that's like drawing all this attention. But I think that's, that's what makes this movie an extremely good uh, teaching device because in relationships basically they're assumed to be opportunities to give and to get. And that's how the ego constructed the relationship. It really, you could say that this world is made out of a mixed motive because the mind is split between the ego and the Holy Spirit. So what seems to be normal and ordinary and regular and mundane and accepted in this world is, is very much mixed motives. And in terms of most everything in the worlds of time and space, there are these two aspects, giving and getting. In fact, most of the time whenever giving is talked about, it's always talked about in the same sentence as the opposite. Giving to get. Um, I'll go to work and I'll give my time, my money, my intelligence, my efforts to get a paycheck. Uh, in relationships it's seen that there's shared responsibilities and in some cases you can give in some cases and you get in others. In, in basic business transactions you, you go to buy something and you give money and if you use currency like bills you get change back so that you can have the exact amount. But giving to get and giving and getting are just accepted as part of the human condition. And actually that's right away a contradiction to God because God's will only knows giving. Uh, God doesn't know of the concept of getting. And if we're going to know our source, to know God and to know the love of God and the oneness of God, then if we're going to know God's will for us, which is perfect happiness, then we also have to, to know how to give as God gives. So God gave everything in creation and Christ was given everything in that creation. God didn't withhold anything in creation. Absolutely all of God was given away in, the, in creation. And that's what creation is. It's pure giving. It's pure, pure giving. That's what love is, it's pure giving. Giving, extending. That's what light is. Light only gives. There is no concept of getting. So if you look at that and then you start to look at the world that you perceive right now, in any way, shape or form where you have a motive to get anything, then that will tarnish and will block the awareness of love's presence from awareness. 
With Muriel, you know, it was lots of things. You know, we need to get, we need to get out of Queens, get a, get a better place to live, or just went on and on with something, getting, 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 even when the thing we won, it was exaggerated happiness based on getting. In fact, if the happiness is based on getting uh, $2 million or getting, she was not happy to even see that that $4 million was being divided, she screamed. Scream bloody murder <laughs> when he said, I have something to tell you. She screamed <laughs> because that meant that she wouldn't get the extra two million dollars. And then in the end, you know, he had to say, well, you know, you, you will be known, you could, you could endorse products. And so her idea of, of getting endorsements or getting uh, recognition or getting notoriety that was almost like a placating. But, but you see, that's still compromise, even to try to offer somebody, oh, you can get something else. <laughs> Instead of this, you get that. Then that's still part of bargaining, it's still part of placating. If you're in a relationship where you have something in your heart that's very strong and it's just purely motivated by giving and extending, you really need to pay close attention to that because to the extent that you compromise and you feel like, well, I have to be practical here and I have to make sure that I get something out of it. Um, that I make sure that I, I will get something for whatever I give, then that is just basically giving to get, which is still the ego. Giving to get is is reciprocity. And reciprocity in time and space, it's, it's, it's through the fabric of time and space, you know. I mean, it's through the fabric of everything. Physics. Remember physics? For every action there is a reaction. <laughs> it, it applies in chemistry, it applies in baking and, and cooking, culinary things. Of course, is all interpersonal relationships are based on giving to get. Um, oh, they say, yeah, well, marriage is a compromise. You know, you have to give, but you do get a lot of good things out of it. You know, it's always that way. Jobs, careers, competition, every aspect of the fabric of time and space is based on giving to get. And there are those that the, the mind is so attracted to the getting that you might say greed takes over ambition takes over, um, all types of egocentric uh, pursuits can take over. It doesn't matter whether it's a, a, a parent, a politician, it doesn't matter what occupation, it doesn't matter what the role is. If getting is the primary objective of the role, then the ego is behind it. And the ego is a death wish. So when you accept the reciprocity into the mind, when you accept the getting into the mind, even if it's balanced out by the giving, Jesus is saying that's really not giving at all. That's just an ego deception, a pseudo version of giving called giving to get. And, and that is the core of ownership. That is the core of, of all attempts of possession. Getting and possession are 
connected. And then, as I mentioned recently, if you look into the early part of the text, you see that Jesus gives the three lessons of the Holy Spirit. And, and that's not that many when you think of it. It's if, if Jesus came to you and said, listen, I just want you to learn, learn three lessons and you're home free. You're back to eternity. And these are the three lessons of the Holy Spirit. You know, that sounds interesting. But the very first lesson is to have give all to all. That is the first lesson. It must be important if it's the first, but that's the first lesson of the Holy Spirit. To have, give all to all. So, even though I was raised Christian and I went through all these years of Bible studies in the summer and church every Sunday and I had to go through confirmation when I was 18 and supposed to recite the statement of faith and for the United Church of Christ faith to get confirmed as a member, an adult member of the church and on and on and on. I think when I finally came to the course and I was in kind of a deep state of prayer, Jesus finally started to lay it to me straight and he said, you know, you're not going to be happy until you learn how to give as God gives. And I said, wow, I, I have no idea. And he said, that's, that's actually it. You have, you have absolutely no idea what giving means. But I will instruct you. I, I will do it through you. If you just be willing to join your mind with mine and link in, I will teach you how to give. And mostly it's an attitude. It's, it's, that's the best thing we can offer is our attitude. If, if you're happy, the whole universe will be perceived as happy. If, if you're giving, you will feel the abundance in your heart of, of God's love. And basically, all of this world, all the interactions are just opportunities to get into giving. Now I like it with, with these two because Yvonne is a waitress and already she's, she's giving. I mean, just to be there serving. The two guy that, guys that come in, that have AIDS and she goes and talks with them and serves them and, and loves them. Uh, you know, basically she has already this spark of giving in her heart. And you can see it too with Charlie because when Charlie goes in there he's got a little present for her, for her a little chain for the glasses and he's got uh, a little envelope with the tip <laughs> tip money in, and then when he starts to connect with her, gives her the, the chain, feels the love, when she says she's just gone bankrupt that morning and that's why she was so rude, and he really, he's just open-hearted. He starts to connect with her, and you can see he's just got a, that spark, that spark of giving in him. Everyone has the spark in their heart, but it has to come to the surface. It has to be activated and in both their cases, he simply always is trying to do the right thing. And it, even his, his partner, Bo, is saying, oh yeah, I'm not, I know you'll do the appropriate thing. You always do. And so to do the appropriate thing would be to do the miraculous thing, which would be to, to have your heart out front, to always be prayerful in every situation of how can I be most helpful. You know, like the prayer at the beginning of the Course. I am here only to be truly helpful. I am here to represent Him who sent me. That's the spark. 
And the only way that that spark gets ignited is if we practically use and nurture that spark every day as we go through our day with every seeming interaction. So this is a great start to the movie because it's, it's pretty extreme even that uh, someone would, would offer such a thing as, as half of the, the lottery ticket winnings as a tip. Then the extraordinary part of a promise is a promise huge integrity. That's another aspect of what Jesus calls honesty in the, in the Manual for Teachers. He says actually honesty is consistency and that's what integrity is. It's just having that inner consistency. Everything you think and say and feel and do and perceive and desire, everything is in complete alignment. That levels of mind diagram I have with all the rings. All the rings are in complete harmony and alignment when you're in alignment with spirit, when you're in the miracle. And you can see that that's important to Charlie. You know, a promise is a promise. He even talks to himself, he's talking to Bo, I could, I could tell her I won 5,000. And then you give him count to five, one, two, three, four, five. But that would be a lie, you know? He, he has got so much integrity that he even can ponder and speculate lying to her, to Yvonne, and then he goes, but that would be a lie, I couldn't do that. That's, that's why at the beginning our angel said he's a good cop, meaning he has a spark. He's got a spark of goodness, and everyone has that spark of goodness, but, but the temptation of the ego is the getting aspect, and and that's always the temptation to be something that you're not and to try to live a principle that really has nothing to do at all with God. Uh, the getting mechanism is, is the ego. The getting mechanism is the devil. The getting mechanism is Satan. Uh, you know, it's like when we have to, if we have to use those terms, it's like, well, who am I going to serve today? You know, who, am I going to serve God? the source, the creator, or am I going to serve the devil, Satan? You know, really, moment by moment, we, we, those are, that's our range of choices, because it's a split mind, and one aspect of the mind is the ego, and the other aspect is the Holy Spirit. So, you know, like with Ghostbusters, who are you going to call? It's really, in our mind, who am I going to call on? Who am I calling on for my guidance? Who am I calling on for my instruction? Who am I calling on for my way of living? You know, am I calling on the Holy Spirit, which is the voice that's teaching me how to truly give as God gives, or am I calling on the imposter, this imposter self that is a denial of God and a denial of, of divine love and a denial of my true self, my Christ self. So that's why this is such a great movie. I love movies that are extreme teaching examples, because we need that in a world where there's so many compromises and so many seeming levels and layers of compromise that, you know, if somebody was watching this movie and they hear Muriel saying, come on, for once, do the right thing for us, <laughs> you know, and so now there's a right thing for them <laughs> and a right thing for us. You see how sneaky the ego will try anything to try to set up a, a, a standard or some kind of a, a baseline where it can get its way. 
which is it wants to get. And so even us versus them. You, come on, Charlie, she says you've done always, your whole life you've done the right thing. Just for once, she said, do the right thing for us. <laughs> not for her, not for them, <laughs> for us. You see, and if the ego can't, can't win in one circumstance, it will just cut the pie up in a different way and say, now do the right thing for us. You see how it's putting the right thing in there, but it's putting it in its own context, so it can get. But the motive underneath doing that, dividing the pie up, rearranging things, it's still the ego's ingenious ways of still trying to promote getting. Because that's all it knows. And somebody recently asked me, I think it was on the Spanish broadcast we did, there was somebody that Haido uh, was asking and he was saying, I really, he was trying to discern between the Holy Spirit and the ego. And I said, really? Basically, straight, the ego's motive is getting, the Holy Spirit's motive is giving, and if you pray and you really live by that, giving versus getting, then that's how you tell the difference between the Holy Spirit and the ego. It's really not that difficult, but it's just that, that it's so accepted and accustomed in this world that getting is, has been so normalized and so made regular that it's just assumed to be the mode of, of operating. You know, like even when, when you get into spirituality and teaching, you know, people will say, well, are you going to do this workshop or this seminar or this conference and this and this? And, and then the teachers sit around and then as soon as the getting word, what, what are you going to get from the conference? What are you going to get from the organizer? You know, as long as the getting motive is important in your mind, then you really will never know the, the truth of who you are. Because it's not that, that that truth goes anywhere, it still is. The sun still shines even when the clouds come. But, but these clouds of getting are, are dark clouds and there's just no way that you can have full awareness of who you are if you, if you have that getting motive. So here we go. Now that's just the beginning. They both had this little spark in their heart. The cop who has got a kind heart and the waitress who's got a kindness in her heart. And they get spark. But that's just the beginning of the journey because, whoa, the ego doesn't like it. The ego doesn't like that giving motive. The ego will pull out all the guns. I mean, it will bring in all the guns to uh, shoot down that one. Because that kind-heartedness, it doesn't want the mind to feel it can actually go down that road. It wants to block that road immediately. So it's, it's we will see in this movie that, that the ego will do everything it can to shut down that, uh, that motive of giving. Well, this is also how the Holy Spirit works because um, Sometimes there seems to be these out-of-pattern experiences that, uh, that are necessary to kind of deepen the direction of, of the giving, of, of getting into the true giving. So in this case, you know, Charlie's there and he's on his, his police beat and police route and he, he helps uh, 
prevent a robbery and everything, he gets shot in the shoulder. And now he's used to working, you know, a lot of hours and, and doing his police officer thing. But this, this is a shift in his role. Now he's gone from working, you know, quite a few hours every week. Now he has to step back, seemingly because of an injury. And, and this is often how the spirit will use any opportunity to, to deepen the purpose. And I know we've talked about this many times, even right now with the pandemic, with people's uh, lives, their routines are interrupted, sometimes their schooling was interrupted, their job was interrupted, they have more time on their hands to, to, to use in some way. It's just more time available because the patterns of repetition during this pandemic time have been interrupted. And for Charlie, his, his pattern, it's not the pandemic, but it's getting shot in the shoulder. So sometimes there's an event that occurs that will be an opening for a, a deepening in purpose. And that's what's going to happen in this situation. You know, now he's got his sling, he's out of uniform, and he has much more time and also time to ponder things and to and to actually look a little bit closer at his relationship you know he's really been into quite a bit of people pleasing um Yvonne was into major people pleasing with Eddie and it got worse and worse and worse and then they they split up although Eddie showed up as soon as the, she won the lottery. She got her, her share of the lottery. Muriel, you know, she's been kind of complaining and going on and on with all these things. And she's got ambitions and she's, she feels like she has scored a big one with getting the, the $2 million share. But you could see right away going out all those shops, doing all this shopping and, and him carrying around the boxes. Yes, sweetheart. Yes, honey. Oh, you know, she was basically saying she's been deprived all along and now she's going to get what she deserves. And he went right along with all of that. And, and basically, the pattern of dependency and the, the pattern of this getting as a regular kind of devotion, we'll call it, has to be uh, interrupted in some way because the Holy Spirit's teaching has to have a space to come into the mind. So now that they've, Yvonne and Charlie have each got their little spark ignited, um, this is the time where things have to start to be reevaluated. The part in the Course in Miracles where Jesus starts talking about this is is chapter fifteen. I think I've never heard a section from the Course referred to so many times as chapter fifteen, the healed relationship where it describes as you invited the Holy Spirit into the relationship, meaning you, you've called on God for healing, and the Holy Spirit enters immediately. But then, he says, the relationship can begin to appear disjunctive, disorienting, because the structure for which the relationship was made is shifted so rapidly. The ego's purpose for the relationship was one thing. 
the relationship was, was invented, it was built, and it was maintained on one motive. And this is the motive underneath the forging of interpersonal relationships in this world. Whether it's children, whether it's children and parents, whether it's boyfriend, girlfriend, whether it's uh, colleagues at work or colleagues at university, whether it's friendship, the, the purpose for which the ego has made the relationships, and believe me it has, it made the bodies, it made everything about these timeline relationships, and these were made for one reason, to get. That's the purpose. Getting. The ego made human beings and made this world for out of hatred. And hatred, another word for hatred, Jesus says the world was made in hate. Another word for hatred is, since we're using the getting and giving m m words, it's getting. So everything of this world was made for getting. And then when you invite the Holy Spirit into your mind to heal the relationship, the purpose of the relationship is changed from one of getting to giving. And it is dramatic. How dramatic? Getting and giving, one comes from the ego, one comes from the Holy Spirit, and never the twain shall meet. There is never a, a point where getting and giving meet. Getting is death. Giving is life. Getting is the wish for death. Giving is the wish for life. Death and life don't have a meeting point, even though in this strange world of time and space and linear time, it seems to be mixed in. But, as Jesus says, really there is no life in this world. He, he basically says it in different ways. All roadways of the world lead to death. You know, that, that there's only one kind of love, he says in the workbook. You think there's different kinds of love. No. There's only one, you know, and that is divine love. And so giving and getting don't have a meeting point, and yet once you invite the Holy Spirit in to your mind for healing, the Holy Spirit enters immediately and he changes the purpose of the relationships and he changes the purpose of the world from one of getting to one of giving. And this is extremely disjunctive. Many relationships are broken off at this point. And Jesus says you'll have a huge desire uh, to get rid of your brother. It sounds like almost like mafia. <laughs> There's a part in your voice that's like, get rid of him, get rid of her, get them out of here. <laughs> they crossed the line, they crossed the line. It's over, get rid, get rid, and that's the ego. And he's like, he says in there with an exclamation point, hear not this now. Like, no, 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 you invited the Holy Spirit and things are going to get a little, seem to get a little dicey now because you've taken a dark purpose in your mind and you've said, Holy Spirit, help, I need help. And the Holy Spirit comes in and immediately, boom, he flips the purpose of the world, he flips the purpose of your relationship from getting to giving. And any aspect of the relationship where you still believe you're going to get something out of it, mm-mm-mm-mm-mm, you're not. There's no way. It's been flipped. And now you, the only way to go is to rise up toward the light. You, you really cannot go back at this point. When you've invited the Holy Spirit in, uh, it's, it's basically over once 
the Holy Spirit enters. And Jesus says the Holy Spirit enters immediately upon the request. So as soon as you pray for the Holy Spirit, boom, you've got the Holy Spirit. But now the whole purpose for the world has been turned right side up. Once it was upside down, when you were in, in darkness and didn't and really didn't even have a hope of anything better. You just had resigned yourself to the world's dark, the world's hostile. You know, you ever, anybody ever see the bumper sticker? Life's a bitch, and then you die. <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the purpose that your mind was serving. Life's a bitch, and then you die. And then you invite the Holy Spirit, and then it turns to, oh, life's a joy, and then you ascend. You see, that's, that's what it's, it's been turned around from. Life's a bitch and then you die, to life's a joy and then you ascend. So, make no mistake, when you invite the Holy Spirit in, don't just expect everything to be just fine. Don't just say, oh, I invited the Holy Spirit in now. I'm just going to have a groovy time. I'm going to have a groovy time, man. And uh, let's, everything's going to be fine. And everything's going to be smooth. Smooth, smooth as can be. No, no. This begins the healing. This is when you feel like your mind is a tossed salad. Uh, it is not some gelatin. This is not j cherry jello. You feel like, what did I do? I, I prayed, I called on the Holy Spirit, now I've got tossed salad going on in my mind. Yeah, it's just because, it's just with a tossed salad, everyone knows how you make a tossed salad. You chop up the lettuce, tomatoes, carrots, celery, and you put it in, and what? You shake it. Right? That's what tossed salad is. You shake, shake, shake it up. You mix it up in there. Well, when you invite the Holy Spirit in, the giving motive has now come in there, into the darkened mind. And now it's, whoo, immediate flip. Life's a joy, and, that, and then you ascend. That's now your motto. You, don't, you may not have fully realized it, but that's now your motto, your principle. Life's a joy, and then you ascend. So, in this movie, this is again a spectacular teaching device because both Muriel and Charlie have got the spark going now. They have invited the Holy Spirit in. They, haven't, they aren't even consciously aware of what's happened, but they have invited the Holy Spirit in. And now, is Muriel still there? She sure is, because the, the purpose is still mixed in the mind, and, and Muriel's just, she's not doing anything but what all dream figures do. They simply represent what's in the mind. You, you aren't married to Muriel unless you have a getting mechanism in your mind. And you are not married or even separated from Eddie unless you, you have a getting mechanism in the mind. And that's why Muriel and Eddie are still around, because the purpose has been flipped, but it hasn't been uh, completely, you haven't completely given over to, to what the right side up now is. You haven't completely let the Holy Spirit purify the tossed salad. It's inevitable. When you invite the Holy Spirit in, the Holy Spirit enters, and the purification is begun, and believe me, it will complete in, in an ascension or a remembrance of God. Because it's destined to complete as a remembrance of, of God. Know thyself is absolute destiny. So let's see what happens here. Um, he's just coming home and 
she's went off to Tiffany's and all these places and bought all this new stuff, but you know she is not happy with that apartment. And you can see as he's walking towards the apartment, there's a lot of lumber uh, right out. And that's where we're going into this scene because, because for her, now the getting has just begun and now the, the, the getting is just going to get good. She was like waiting for the money and now the money has arrived. So now it's buy, 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 buy. And, and of course Eddie's trying to uh, make his move to get back in there uh, to see what he can get out of it too. But this is again just part of the purification process. Okay. Now that's what this dream does. It plays out the thoughts just so you can be aware of the thoughts. Just for one purpose. You saw Angel shift. Isaac Hayes. But Angel was there, right there at the courtroom as we see him throughout the whole thing. That's like the Holy Spirit is just watching, just watching that neutral dream, just neutral dream. That's all the Holy Spirit sees. It's like leaves blowing in the wind. Neutral dream. They don't mean anything. The images aren't positive. They aren't negative. In fact, in the ultimate sense we could say it, it's nothing's even happening. But we'll just, for the sake of the, of the dream, the Holy Spirit sees the illusion but knows it's not real. So these are just neutral images, always neutral images. But as we learn from lesson number two in the workbook, I have given everything I see all the meaning it has for me. So I was just talking the last time I popped in here and saying how there's just two motives in the mind. One is giving and one is getting. And you see what you believe. If you have a getting motive in your mind, which is the ego, then that's when the events seem dramatic. That's when the events seem heartbreaking because they're seen through the filter of the thoughts and the beliefs. Whatever you think and believe is what you perceive. The emotion is in the mind based on these beliefs and thoughts and then an interpretation is made. And the reason why this world seems so heartbreaking is just because of the secret dream that I've been talking about here for the last week or so. This unconscious mind, which is egoic, is is projecting the dream. So the interpretations that are made about the dream is where the heartbreak comes in. So in one sense, this, is, this movie is really showing you how everything works. The, nothing happens by accident, nothing is random, and you might say that as soon as you start to realize that you have a spark of goodness in your mind. You have a spark of giving and that spark is destined to grow into a flame and that flame is destined to grow into a, a huge flame and that huge flame is destined to grow into a blazing light and that blazing light it actually eventually it turns revelatory. It just turns into this light of heaven. It goes from revelation into into 
unimaginable vast light. And that's basically the projection. Like I said, the ego is life's a bitch and then you die. <laughs> the Holy Spirit, life's a joy and then you ascend. But the spark has to expand, it has to grow. And just through their joining, through the, the sense of giving, through the purpose of giving, that begins to really expand this experience of love and light. So, what we see with the trial, as after the orchestrated events, is basically, this is how the Holy Spirit works. It's like the Holy Spirit's like, well, now I've got to show you what you believe. And the reason I've got to show you what you believe is because you believe it's real, you believe it's true, and you still believe there is some value to getting. And the only reason that the ego is even in the mind is because of the belief that there is something valuable about getting. Because the ego is the getting mechanism of the mind. Jesus comes right out in the Course and says that. The ego is the getting mechanism of the mind. So, the only way to flush the ego up and flush the ego out of its hiding place, the unconscious mind or the secret dream, is as you experience the world and you notice you have a reaction to the world or a reaction to anything in the world, then that's, that's how this getting mechanism is, is flushed. It's flushed up into awareness. And then what is the purpose of flushing this getting mechanism into awareness? It has only one purpose, to let it go. There certainly wouldn't want to keep it if you saw it for what it is. If you saw that it was blocking the giving, it was blocking the love, it was blocking the joy and the happiness, it has to come up only so that you can see it. And you can say, I have done this thing and, and I, now I would have this undone. Now I would, I would let it go. There is, no, there is no reason to keep the getting mechanism. The getting mechanism has never served. And even though in this world it's, it's commonplace, it's accepted. Get a job, get a life, get a, get a bank account, get a house, you know, get a dog, get a cat, get get an education, you know, get a, get a, get a, get a, get a, you know, it's, it's, you know, there's, there's something in your mind that's like, I gotta get out of this scheme of getting. I gotta get out of the getting because I, I have to be able to let it go because, because God didn't create it is, is why. That's the, that's the because. Because I can't know my source if I keep persisting in believing in this getting mechanism. I, I will never know love, ever, if I believe in this getting mechanism. I will never know myself if I believe in this getting mechanism. I will never know my creator if I believe in this getting mechanism. So this is the point of the movie, which is the, the big flusher. We've all had those moments when, when it just seems like the dream is going down. It just looks, whatever we had hoped for, whatever we had planned for, whatever we had prayed for, we think, in form, the Holy Spirit's like, 
like angel there, just, just look at it, just watch it. And really, really sincerely, honestly ask yourself, is this what I would have? Is this what I would hold? Is this what I would believe in? Because that is the whole purpose of everything, is just to bring us to a point where we, we say, no, I don't want this anymore. I, I would rather have a miracle. <laughs> I would rather have a miracle than, than go into this, uh, this darkness. So, we're at that point, and, and all I can say is, you know, I, I, when I watch this movie, I'm just so filled with gratitude because, because I just know these moments, I, these moments of, we'll call it devastation, just moments of deep, dark despair of, of this sense of like, of, of like failure, uh, or of like um, some sense of guilt, or darkness, or fear, or shame, or something. There's, there's just these moments when it rises up only that you can see it, and take a look at it, and, and not turn away from it, but, but be willing to let it go. So here we go. There's only one place to go from here. <laughs> and that's up and to the light. <laughs> beautiful, 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 beautiful. Oh, I always love that movie because it's such a pointer, such a pointer to the truth. You know, we've, we've just come off our Beyond the Body weekend retreat, and the whole retreat was about hypotheticals and about how, how the future is just a, a hypothetical and the past is a hypothetical and that we can't really know love until we surrender and yield into the present moment. And sometimes I do talk about linear time, but there's some, some interesting things that Jesus has to say he said the ego made it up, so that should be uh, a first hint. Um, and then he basically says that that this construct that the ego made up with past and present and future, he says something very interesting about it. He says it has no continuity. What? Time has no continuity. You mean past and present and future has no continuity? He says, no, the ego tries to force continuity on them. Force, Jesus says. Now all of us know that the, that word force doesn't go with let all things be exactly as they are. That word force does not go with miracles. You know how in the, in the 60s, sometimes we used to hear this beautiful phrase during the 60s, it was, go with the flow. But that go with the flow didn't have anything in there about force. The ego tries to force continuity on the past, present, future construct. And he says the, that the present moment is before time was. He basically says it's not even close that the, Jesus taught us 2,000 years ago, before Abraham was, I am. He was teaching us 
that our perceptions of time are grossly distorted. But then when he says the ego tries to force continuity on them, when Jesus uses that force word, then he's showing us how unnatural our linear perception is. It's forced on us by the ego. It's not natural. It's not happy. It's not joyful. It's not, it's not regular. It's, it's, it's just not harmonious and it never will be. But when we believe in linear time, we have these hopes and dreams for fantasies of the future that we somehow believe are going to make us happy. But we have forgotten that the ego has forced these hypothetical fantasies on us. We've been force-fed something that's a lie. So, this was such a beautiful movie because giving is natural. Giving was given to us by God. Even when I was doing the Spanish uh, movie last year, last uh, week on Friday, I, I used the metaphor that that the word forgiven, for forgiving, <laughs> is is literally meaning forgiving. That that forgiving is literally pointing to the the purpose in our mind that that's what we were created to extend. We were created as an extension of God. We, we were created for the purpose of extending light, extending love, forgiving. And, and that has a, a huge meaning for us because you can see it in the movie. As long as that getting mechanism was there, and, and all you could do is you can only thank Muriel. You could only thank Eddie for acting it out. You know, if you believe in something and you don't even know that you believe it, then sometimes it's helpful to see it acted out in front of you to, to get clear that you don't want it. Because if you believe in it and, and you're perceiving it, then it must mean that you wanted it. Because that's the only way it can be in the mind. You have to want something to be there for something to seem to be there. So in that sense, when Jesus says your brother, your sister, your brother is your savior, that only full appreciation is due your brother. You can't hold any other emotion accurately than full appreciation because the acting out of the belief shows you what you believe in. You wouldn't be able to get to the secret dream unless you could see what what the secret dream was producing in terms of form and in terms of interpretations. So another thing Jesus says is, is the past is gone and only its loveliness has been saved for you. Wow, that's a great idea. The past is gone and only its loveliness has been saved for you. Another time Jesus says that the, that the Holy Spirit purifies every thought that you have and keeps what is of God and lets go of the rest. So at one point Jesus says that it's possible to perceive, get this, a purified form of the past. Woo! 
a purified form of the past. How spectacular is that? It sounds a bit to me like the Holy Spirit can use anything that the ego made. Hmm. The ego made the past and Jesus can, Holy Spirit can use it as a purified form of the past. What else is a happy dream? What else is a forgiven world but a purified form of the past? So it's not the images that are the problem, it's not the bodies that are the problem, it's the perception of the bodies. Really, it's do I want to see the body in a new way with, with the Holy Spirit that will lead me to the vision of Christ, that will lead me into the revelatory experience, that will lead me into the light of heaven, or do I want to still try to get something from the world and the body? Because it's not the body that's the problem, it's the motive in the mind to get something. If you want to get something from a body, if you want to get something from society, if you want to get something from the world, that is death. That is like holding on to a death wish in the mind and it's absolutely impossible to feel joy and happiness and retain this getting mechanism. And that's why as you go more and more into your miracle working functions, the things that you used to believe you could get from people, from relationships, from this world, it just fades and fades and fades as you go into the miracle deeper and deeper and deeper. It was such a beautiful scene in the restaurant when he finally goes and she's there and she says, you know, she said, go, go away. She said, I've ruined your life. Because of me, she says, you lost four million dollars. And do you know what a gift that four million dollars was? And, and, and basically, he had to come to the point where he just could speak it, you know. He said, it's, the money doesn't mean anything. He took, he went zooming into <laughs> lesson number one, <laughs> nothing I see means anything, and he applied it. The Holy Spirit whooshed through him right when she was feeling her darkest, her, her greatest unworthiness, you know. She even said, you have to excuse me, nobody's ever, no one's ever loved me before. You have to excuse me. She was in her unworthiness. That's what said, go away. That's what said, I ruined your life. That's what said, you know, I am the fault. I am the reason that your life has been destroyed. And he said, Ivan, I love you. The money doesn't mean anything to me. You see, that was the whoosh of the Spirit coming through right there. And, and that's, quite frankly, that's the, that's the fast track to holy relationship, you know. You don't go into the holy instant until you first go into the holy relationship. And the holy relationship is just a symbol of a mind that has been rinsed of the desire to get anything from this world. I remember years ago, I remember I started to get happier and happier and happier and then one time I was giving a talk somewhere and the words came out of my mouth and the way it came out it said, if you don't want anything from the world, the world won't want anything from you. 
because the world is nothing more than a projection or an outpicturing of, of what it is you want. If you clear the altar of your mind and you don't want anything at all from this world, the world won't want anything from you. You would be amazed, just like in this movie, at how quickly the Holy Spirit and Jesus reconfigure the world. You know, one minute it was like sticky, dark, codependent relationship. Uh, very dark, very suffocating. It was like a meaningless relationship and a, a dead relationship that was just being kept alive. You know, it's like, it's just images in motion without meaning and it's just, it's heavy, it's dark. It's, it, it's not life. And then they had to go through and face, face the belief, and they did during the courtroom scene. And the scenes that followed right after the courtroom scene, they had to really face it. They had to just like, like, okay, I'm not going to hide the ego anymore. Come on out of your hiding place and show, show yourself. And it did. You know, it just showed itself. And yet, the love is so strong that it just completely reconfigured. And while they seem to lose the court case and they seem to lose the four million dollars that the lottery had brought, as they put it in the movie, New York City gave them a tip of six hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> unasked for, unsought for in a personal way, but that was like the Holy Spirit just saying, you don't have to go into the escapism, your fear and scarcity thoughts of, of fleeing New York City, of fleeing the people of New York City, of fleeing your, your job as a cop, of fleeing your restaurant, you know, and running away. But this was more of a symbol of like, no, Go forth in love and shine your light. And here's a little starting present for you. <laughs> and that is a beautiful witness of divine providence. That's how it's gone in my life. When I simply had no investment and just let go of everything and just said, Thy will be done. Show me how I can serve. Show me how I can shine my light. Then Everything that would be helpful in the shining of that light has come effortlessly and it's just about as surprisingly as it did, was for them where she said, you know, I, I want to just make one stop and then they go and the one stop is, is her restaurant. The gates open, they open the door, surprise, surprise, and then for the next three days it's, it's raining down on them. <laughs> That's a symbol of divine providence raining down. When you give your life over to the Holy Spirit and Jesus, it's going to rain down. It, it, that's a great example. All those letters, bags full of letters coming in. Little five dollar bills and little checks. Little donations piled up. And, and that's exactly how Divine Providence works. If Mother Teresa was alive and was watching us, which she probably is right here watching us, she is smiling. She's like going, 
that's what I was talking about all those years. I just needed a sweet little movie like this to show you what I was talking about. If St. Francis from back in the, the 1200s or whatever could come, and he would be smiling too, he is smiling, he's just like going, that's what I was talking about in the 1200s, Divine Providence. This movie is, it, it covers so much. It, the, the fear of transparency, when they got into their function of giving, do you see how happy they were? Uh, rollerblading, uh, at the, giving coins, tokens away at the subway, uh, and how much fun they had, and then going and taking the kids from Queens and Flatbush to this Yankee Stadium to play baseball in Yankee Stadium, and how much fun all those kids have. Those are, that's just raining down. That's just how the Holy Spirit, as soon as you give yourself over to the new purpose, it's just going to flood in. It just floods into your mind. Because we have had it wired way too small and way too tiny. And why were we so afraid? Why were we so afraid of this shift of perception? It's because of this thing of continuity. We're clinging to the concepts and the images of false continuity. The things that are important to the ego's world are continuity in form. And Jesus says, don't forget, the ego is trying to force continuity. Force it onto you. Force it onto past, present, future. The angels don't understand this forcing. The angels, it's like that uh, Isaac Hayes, he was just there smiling. Did you see him when they invited him in for, on a rainy night for food? He, he slurped up the food, but you could see him flesh that smile. Like, and he knew he was going to take photos of them, and he was going to publish it for all of New York City. But he just had the biggest smile on his face because Love wins again. <laughs> Love wins. You can't force continuity onto time. You can't force it onto past, present, future. We've just had it all wrong. We, we weren't partially right about time. We were totally wrong. We've, we have not had it at all right. We, we were wanting to be right about these constructs where we believe that there was something great about longevity. You know, I sang that song to my grandmother in her, when her ninth, in her 90s about fairy tales come true, it can happen to you, but Lillian, she's with us tonight too, and she's smiling too, because she's right here with us to, to also see the gift that it was always about the love. You know, my grandmother Lillian and my grandfather Harry were married for 57 years. There's one of the false constructs. 57 years of false continuity. And she's laughing with me right now as she's here. Because the fairy tale that came true, and it can happen to you, as it happens to all of us, is that the holy instant is doesn't have anything to do with linear time. Not anything. The, the linear time was a veil with forced continuity. And 
you get, don't get any brownie points. You know, Lillian and Harry didn't finally rejoin in heaven and at, at Gabriel at the gates of heaven and go, well, we did pretty good, didn't we? We, we made it together for 57 years. Uh, and no, it wasn't that. That's not how you get into the gates of heaven. You don't get into the gates of heaven through time. There are no achievements and accomplishments in time. There is no accomplishments in learning. There is no accomplishments in terms of, of, of anything of this world, of the construct, because the construct was made to defend against the holy instant. The construct of time was forced. It's forced continuity. So, then you may be asking, well, practically speaking then, wow, that's radical. <laughs> that's radical indeed. But when you give yourself over to the purpose of giving, if you just pray that prayer, if you just pray that prayer tonight and you just say, Lord, I have not known what true giving is, but my Creator created me in the spirit of giving. And I have believed things that are unlike that gift. And I would know that gift. I would know the truth of, of giving. And then when you start to get into that giving vibe, you find that everything comes to you and through you absolutely effortlessly. I know when I started traveling, that was one of my big concerns. I was like, well, Jesus, if you're going to talk through me, I just have a little concern about what if, what if I'm ready, what if I'm not ready, what if I say the wrong things, what if I have pressure anxiety or performance anxiety, miracle performance anxiety, and he's like, you have no clue, you have no clue. Uh, it, he's basically telling us in the Course, it says, it cannot be difficult to do the task that Christ appointed you to do, for it is He who does it. And when you get into the joy of just giving, it's all involuntary. You don't have to worry about what to say, what to do. You don't have to worry about the future. You don't have to be concerned of regretting the past. Everything is, as he said, is as if you're carried down a quiet path in summer, and it's as easy as, as breathing. It's so effortless. You know, it, it takes the pressure off of trying to figure out the spiritual journey because all you have to do is have the faith and the desire to give, and that's it. And, and if you try to add anything more to that, it will be interference. If you just have nothing but the desire to give, just nothing but the desire to give, that's all she wrote for the ego. The ego cannot contest that. The ego cannot block that. The ego cannot hold you back if you desire to give. And that's what I think this movie really taught us. You know, that was so beautiful because you could feel it happening as soon as they started to get that spark going. Uh, you knew there was going to be a flame. You knew, <laughs> you could see the orchestration happening, like, here it goes. Because time and, 
time is not continuous past, present, future. The, the spirit is just reorchestrating in the quantum, you could say the quantum moment is just a recalibration, a reconfiguration of, of everything just because of the mind's desire to give. So, I feel so grateful. I mean, I, I always come to these Wednesday nights and all I'm praying for is to have some fun. And then there's always a movie where Jesus is like, yeah, yeah, let's have some fun. Let's have some fun. And another classic, it's just raining down on us, week after week, classic after classic, just so we can go into the giving, just so we can have the faith and trust to say, I give it to you, I'm not going to play this false time continuity thing. I will no longer allow the ego to force time to be linear. I'm, I'm interested in seeing its simultaneity. I'm interested in the miracle. I'm interested in being happy, actually, more so than I am trying to uphold these forced concepts that have no reality and in the end will be laughable. Because, because how can something that God didn't create block us from knowing who we are? It just doesn't make any sense. So let's, let's go to Eric, and if you have anything to share, express what you saw, what you felt during the movie, any miracles, anything at all that you felt, or any questions that you have about this giving versus getting, and and this forced continuity of past, present, future, anything at all, please uh, share, share from your heart and, and we'll pray into this, this together. Okay, thanks David. I will go to Esther first. Go ahead, Esther. Thank you so much, David. Um, I have a question with regards to this continuity, uh, forced continuity. Um, when I asked my friend Alan, you know, did, did, what did he do today? Or how much did he make in, in his job? He, he drives and delivers pizza uh, during the nighttime. Um, and I'm now wondering what's it for? And yet it keeps coming up as a question like how did the trading go or, or what happened? And I find myself experiencing a form of satisfaction to hear the, the, the um, proceeds of the, not the proceeds, the, the, what actually happened in the day when he describes it, when he gets into it. And um, also another thing that's coming up for me is uh the, this this desire to give is is being cultivated. I didn't know what was being cultivated until you described it. Because um, with for me, if I can be like specific, I, it's how it works with for me. Um, like the lawyer is not calling back and not responding in any way, and and I was wondering like what's the point of the relationship for me, and. Now I'm seeing after you talked to tonight that it's just about me wanting to give and um, just to 
just to give unconditionally of myself the love. I have so much love to give, and um, and I can feel it. And I just wanted the question is um, like I'm digressing a little bit, but like when yesterday was so intense, or Monday I think it was so intense the. The hypotheticals were just going rampant in my mind, and I felt so uncomfortable until the end of the night. I just had to lie down and and call it a day. And but Alan got me to the laughter, and I got to see that it was a self concept that that I and the hypotheticals. I could see that, so it was going between feeling uncomfortable and still seeing what was going on. So that was really exciting. And then I listened to um, the Mr. Nobody a little bit that night or the, the next day, and you said the conspiracy theory of the ego, and that just made total sense. Um, and I was able to just, like, incorporate that somehow. And so I wanted to know, my question is, um, I, I want to be able to just be giving, and, 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 and the, these hypotheticals, they, they come in so, so strong sometimes and, and I'm so self-critical. The self-criticism comes in and I think I'm the thinker of these thoughts. And so I, I fall, fall for them. And, and I, I just want some guidance with, with the Alan question and, and just in general, any more comments that you see? I know you're saying a lot about it, but like anything, throw me a bone. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, thank you, Esther. You know, it's like I think for me, I had to start to realize that that looking at the world by looking back um, is a bad habit. Like I remember when I was growing up, and I watched the movie The Ten Commandments. And probably one of the most shocking scenes for me when I watched The Ten Commandments was when it it, it was. Lot and Lot's wife, and they were fleeing. You know, it was a scene where they were fleeing, and they told, they told Lot's wife, "Don't look back, or you're turned into a pillar of salt." And and she did look back, and oh, I was remember as a kid, it's like a witch, wicked witch of the west scene. You know, traumatic. You know, a, a, a frozen lady that it's a pillar of salt that looks like a lady, and I was like, whoa. You know, for a child to see a frozen, you look back and you turn into a pillar of salt. But actually, you know, when we did our uh, weekend retreat uh, this past weekend, Francis opened up on Friday by reading and speaking from one of my favorite sections in the course called Setting the Goal. And she was saying how only the ego looks back. So every time we look back on anything, even when you say, Hey, how did it go, Alan? Did you, did you make some money tonight? And how did the trading go? And those seem like real practical questions to you. You're, you're enjoying asking them. But it's just like you're looking back to the past and the ego is going, did we score tonight? How much, uh, how much cash did we score? And did you do any day, day trading or any trading? And how much did we score? You know, and, and Jesus is saying, hmm, bad habit. Uh, or like two people that are in a relationship and somebody comes home late and then one says, where were you? Where were you? Oh, I was doing this and this. What? And you didn't tell me? How long has this been going on? You know, 
It's, oh my gosh, this is the whole habit of the human condition, always looking back, always looking back. And not only do we look back, but we do it regularly, and we do it, if we think it's actually normal to talk this way and to look back and to look back. In fact, we have romanticized looking back. When there's a Beatles song that comes on and we hear Paul McCartney's voice singing this song, there's, we romanticize it. Yesterday, love was such an easy game to play. Now I need a place to hide away. Oh, I believe in yesterday. Suddenly, I'm not half the man I used to be. There's a shadow hanging over me. Oh, yesterday came suddenly. And then it gets worse. Why she had to go, I don't know. She wouldn't say. I said, something wrong, now I long for yesterday. You see, it, we romanticize it. It becomes one of the most famous songs, and people love that song, and they love to hear it, and they love to cry to that song, and they, it's sick. It's <laughs> sick. It's actually sick. Uh, because, because, it's looking back. And, the, and what Frances was pointing to on that uh, Friday night, she was saying, you have to put the goal out front. And then when you do, whether it's love or faith or joy or happiness, whatever you want to call it, you put the goal out front and then Jesus says, e you will perceive everything as meeting your goal if the goal is out front. And he says, if you don't put the goal out front, then the ego will just look back and will judge what occurred. Positively and negatively, doesn't matter. So we've got this whole mentality that is accustomed now to looking back. And, and you were bringing it up here with Alan, you know, even if, if Alan walks in the door and he's come in and he's just delivered his pizzas and everything, you need to really let him share his joy, his insights, his miracles. You need to be there as the one who's going to pull it out of him, all of the miracles that he's experienced, because that's his pathway. He's on a pathway to God, so he needs to extend the miracles, and you can pull it out of him by saying, "How? How was? What was your experience? And what were your insights? What? Tell me of your joys and your happiness. Tell me your greatest miracle of the day." That is the way a relationship can go. So now we have, to, we have to let go of the Paul McCartney Beatles song of yesterday. So let's try Shania Twain. Shania Twain, alright. I like Shania Twain. From this moment I have been blessed. I live only for your happiness. Right beside you is where I will stay from this moment on. And it just goes on. It's just, you can almost hear the angels. I gave to you my life. You know, it's just, it's just ah! I, I listen to that song, ah! You know, you're not sad. You're not longing for yesterday. 
who really cares, you know? That's so sentimental, it's so nostalgic, it's, it's death is what it is. So now that we start to get clear and clear on this whole thing, then you see that what you want to do is you want to, to sing from this moment. You, you want to live and sing your tune. When Alan comes through that door, that's what you would bless him with and bless yourself by, by that. And, and it starts to take you out of this habit of like, did we score something today? You know, I mean, I, I like the Aborigines of, um, of Australia, for example, Marla Morgan, you know, when the Aborigines, even when they were on their walkabout, and they, they got hungry, they would like telepathically send word and send hunters out, and then the hunters would commune and communicate with the animals. And, and how's that for hunting, you know, communing and communicating with the animals until an animal voluntarily offered themselves up for dinner. Wow, that's living in the moment. You know, because that's just trusting that they were walking for many, many kilometers out in the desert and the bush and everything, and when they needed, they would communicate and wait until their, their dinner volunteered itself. You see how different that is from this idea of getting, of taking, you know, of like sometimes people think of hunting as like taking life and it's, it was portrayed in a whole different way. It was all telepathic and it was all what was just given for the moment. And that's just guidance. That's just a beautiful little parable of guidance. So I'm glad you asked that Esther because you know it's clear for us we have to change our tune. Uh, we cannot continue to keep in the same patterns because it doesn't really allow us to give. But if you, if Alan comes through the door and you come from your heart and you come from this moment, then everything will light up. But if you go back in the old pattern, it's as if you're saying, I am, I am at the mercy of the past. Uh, that I'm just repeating the same old patterns of how did it go? How much money did you earn tonight? Did you make any money in the trading and anything? There's going to be some stress and pressure with that as well. Because that's the first thought is, what did I get? What did we get? <laughs> you know, and, and that's, there it is right there. That's the motive. What did we get? Whereas, what can I give if you come into that state of mind? Everything, the whole time-space continuum will completely reconfigure because it's not really a continuum at all. But, but you have to be shown that. You have to really see like a vibrant reflection and it's not going to come from this linear perspective and the purpose of getting. So thank you, you've helped us all. It turned into music night too. I felt like I jumped over from the Movie Watcher's Guide to Enlightenment into the Music Lover's Guide page there for a minute. Singing all these songs. Thank you, Esther. Okay. I'll go to Annie next. You can go ahead and speak, Annie. Okay. Hi, everyone. Hello, David. Hi. Hi, Annie. Hi. 
so I just wanted to share, uh, it was really helpful, the simplicity of the, the message in this movie, I feel like is really helpful for me. I, I think for years now, I get stuck in this place where I feel like I've, um, I'll think, well, I've given up. I've given up my desire for form. Or I don't care what happens in the world anymore. And I get, I get sort of stuck in a, uh, I don't know, it's like a low-level depression. And, but I think, I think so much of what it is is because this is why I frame it or like the ego frames it like, all right, I gave up everything. So I don't have the world anymore. But then I don't have enlightenment, you know, so I feel like when I've got, I've got nothing, I don't have, I don't have the regular form pleasures that the rest of the world has. And I don't have the joy that, you know, David and Francis have, I'm stuck in this no man's land. But I think it was making me see tonight that really, I'm still looking to get, you know, it's like, okay, uh, it's not form anymore. But like, you know, you bring on my happiness, you know, where and I, so I think it might be, I don't know, I would try it out. Uh, but I'm hoping really to really change, change that around. And we um, yeah, have focus, focus on giving. So I just wanted to say that was really helpful. Oh, thank you, Annie. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit, it's for us that have been accustomed to lack and accustomed to getting, then yeah, it's like a, it's a new thing. And so, but I loved it in the movie how, you know, they, they were both kind of like, she was, she was, seemed a little happier opening her restaurant and everything, but, but he was kind of wandering a bit there. He had all this time on his hand, and he almost was embarrassed to go there, even though she, he didn't even know it. She made a table in his name and everything, and his buddy Bo was like, go on, you want to go there, you want to go in there. And then when he finally does, uh, connect with her almost serendipitously outside the cruise ship uh, when he's drawn outside and sees her just arriving by taxi. He goes out. It's a beautiful opportunity to give. He says, repeat after me, keep the change. You know, because she's still a bit into scarcity mentality there. And, and right away, through that act of giving, you know, of generosity here, he takes the money out and he says, practice with me, keep the change. She says, keep the change. They smile and whoom, things take off <laughs> from there in a rapid way. You know, just from that moment of rejoicing together in the giving, things took off in a rapid way. So it's a good movie. It is very simple. It's straightforward and direct and it, it shows how impactful it can be when we get into that mindset of giving, you know, just the generosity, the willingness to be giving. So I'm, I'm grateful you're bringing it up, but I'm grateful you're going to give it a practice, uh, give it a go. Yeah, and um, also, you did remind me also of um, Yes Man, too, you know, it's sort of the same energy saying, um, you know, like I'm in a giving mode, I'm, I'm uh, yeah, like that forward I don't know what, but outgoing energy rather than saying, you know, what, what am I getting? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Beautiful. Thank you, Annie. That's beautiful. Okay. I'll go to Anna Carroll next there in Camus. Wow. This is fantastic. And uh, 
so much. It's, it seems like, I don't know how many years have gone by in just a few days. Uh, with that retreat and everything, there's there's miracles happening here in Camas with the the attitude of giving and not concerned about getting. Uh, and it's interesting that you talked about the past uh, because I can see where that gets me completely out of the the giving mode. Um, and so it's like a new commitment to be totally present in the moment and and just give this life over to giving all to all, not thinking about tomorrow, yesterday, but allowing everything to be as it is, everyone to be as they are. It's it's so wonderful. I really appreciate everything and everyone. Everyone here and everyone in the in the group this this movie has touched me in a new way that I really appreciate. Thank you. Thank you, AC. Beautiful to see you smile. You're lighting <laughs> up the whole world. <laughs> oh, thank you. Mm. Okay, next I'll go to Susan Jameson. Hi, where are you? There you are. So, again, I'm so grateful because this movie, too, is like watching and hearing your commentary, a purified form of the past. Because I lived so much of those scenes. You know, um, I'm from Flatbush. It's in Brooklyn, not Queens, but I'll forgive them. Not that it makes a difference. (laughs) (laughs) And I know all the scenes. I mean, I knew every place in the movie. So it just brings me back, you know. um, But this time I get to see it with you and with the Holy Spirit. And I'm, I'm quite sure that my, my mother, Lillian, is watching this with your Lillian. And they're both happy and smiling and, you know, in such love and joy. I don't have any doubt. You know, my mother, Lillian, is so grateful. Because <laughs> she's seeing me so happy. I mean, I'm one who's becoming happier and happier and happier. So, I, could, I mean, I could go on for hours about this film, but in brief, you know, I don't know what to say, but let's see. Um, right when I found the course, right when I met that teacher, you know, and I stopped going to college and all these things, I actually worked in a place in the village called Four and Twenty Pies. And I had this thing where... Homeless people would come in, and I would serve them. It's like they were the kings of the castle. And I knew these pies were going to get thrown out. So I didn't care if I had to pay for it. I would treat them like 
what pie would you like? And I would have to memorize the list and go through it. And I would bring them coffee and a pie, and I never took money. So this isn't me. This is just, you know, an experience I had that I can relate to. And then I, I went on to work in different restaurants, certainly. But I remember those scenes so vividly. And um, then this teacher I had, I actually had an arranged marriage. And it was a very toss salad for many years. It was really quite a tossing, you know, which I'd love to talk about more and more some other time, but need not be because now I know there's a purified outside of time and space experience that I don't need to know. He, he doesn't talk to me. I used to leave the Course of Miracles out for him. So I needed to, to really know that lesson, let all things be exactly as they are. But I, I wasn't good at that, everybody. <laughs> you know, I would leave out the course. I would go to course thing. I mean, I could have been better at that, but I just, you know, at the time I wasn't. I was so excited about all this. And for whatever reason, he wasn't. And then at some point he said, you know, you should, you should become a minister. <laughs> you know, it just... So I was actually divorced in 93, and this film was made in 94. So it's just, there's so much. There's so much. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, I'm just so grateful for these films. And this is a classic. I don't think I've ever seen it. So I just feel so much love, and I know there's a lot of healing going on in my mind with this. I mean, it just brings me back. And, you know, then honestly, there's a little sentimentality for the old city. <laughs> you know, I say, okay, it's just a picture. I just have to let it go. But it's really my old stomping grounds, the way the film is showing it. You know, I have no desire to live there. It's just that's, you know, that seemed to be where I was brought through by spirit. So, I mean, it's just great. <laughs> I don't think I have a question at the moment. If I do, I'll come back. But, yeah, just such a spark of joy. I mean, I feel so much joy. I, I have not had that experience in relationship. If anything, it's just been with Jesus. You know, I haven't had it in a, a seeming partner in this life. So, and that's okay with me. <laughs> I had a second relationship that was also very extreme and very different, which I, don't, I won't go into now, but again, a real toss salad that left me gratefully on my knees. And that's when I said, no more compromise. And then I found you all. So it's all perfect. So I think maybe that's it for the moment, but I, I'm just so grateful. And so is Lil. She loved that song. I don't know that I ever sang it to her, but I'll sing it tonight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, beautiful. Yeah, I'm so yeah, thank you, Susan. I think that was a nice little whim from the Holy Spirit to, to bring that movie in for you and to show you a purified form of the past. And um, yeah, I did so much travel around the United States that um, I remember the first time I was invited to New York City by John Mundy and Diane Burke. And um, I was like, wow, I don't know, it's, it's a city and the traffic and the taxis and everything. But when I got close to the city, uh, I was with, um, 
I, traveling with two different women, uh, Beverly and Donna Marie Carey, and one of them, they said, David, just sit back, enjoy the ride, enjoy New York City. One of them drove into New York City, one drove out of New York City, and then Diane Burke and uh, John Monday hosted me at their house apartment, and I got whisked around to all these beautiful places, and I've been, I went there a number of times and had these uh, miraculous experiences. Um, also, uh, my friend Vincent, you know, he was from Belgium and uh, he lived there with his, his wife and uh, she was a music teacher and he was so talented musically. And um, I stayed in their apartment, I think in Brooklyn, and and just got to really feel the experience of New York City and all the miracles. And then um, at one point I said to Vincent, as I always am collaborating with people, I said, you know, you should bring your keyboard and hit the road with me. I've got, I can go to Massachusetts and Jersey and some of these places here and we'll just go to course groups and you bring your keyboard. And uh, he did. And he was so... He worked over his fears and was so playful. He was bouncing around. He hardly could sit on the on the chair when he was playing. He would stand up and wiggle his rear end, and his uh, keys were going, keyboard was going, and his beautiful voice singing these Course in Miracles songs that he wrote. And so, yeah, for me, it's it's with many, many, many places. But this movie, along with singing the Sinatra song to my grandmother. It, yeah, I remember seeing a lot of those, feeling the vibe of New York City, but from a miraculous uh, state of mind where everything's easy and given and I could just go shine my light and there was no uh, complexities or um, difficulties. Just, uh, it was just, I've, it's just been a beautiful, happy dream. So, but I'm glad you got to see this movie too and uh, and it, I know when you see some of those scenes, it's just beautiful the way spirit can use them. Yeah. It gives you a warm feeling in the heart. So thank you. Okay. Next, I'm going to go to Robert there at the monastery. Hi, David. Hi, Robert. Okay. Okay, I'm looking at Eric. Hi, Robert. I'll say. See. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Okay. Um, first of all, um, actually, Lynn has a question after me, but um, I wanted to, um, you know, it, it's a wonderful uh, what you said about uh, switching from egoic lack of getting to spiritual abundance of giving. You know, that that's all beautiful. And I've heard you talk about, um, so, like, some people have decided to become renunciants and giving away everything and, you know, wanting to go on a road trip with no money, and it just turned terrible for them. And, but then, like, with you, because it was guided, it, everything fell into place. And, you know, I, I have this uh, thought in my mind that uh, if I just keep on giving as far as material stuff, as far as all my money, if I just go out and give away all my money and become penniless, I'm just going to, that'll just be a foolish mistake. I'll just be penniless and broke and whatnot. And I was wondering if you could kind of um, 
talk more about, because I know the form never means anything. It's always about what's going on in the mind. And, you know, to talk more about like the form of giving versus getting into that mental state where you can, you know, give and trust in divine providence so that, you know, what you were talking about falls into place. And uh, also, um, I've also heard you talk a great deal about guidance. And once you, or once we, must I, uh, start receiving the guidance, uh, basically that's it. I mean, I can put the course away. You know, that's, that's when I've arrived spiritually, so to speak. And I was just wondering if you could um, talk about what kind of, shift needs to go on in the mind to allow that guidance to really come in strong and clear. And that's all. Thank you. Mm, thank you, Robert. Yeah, it's, I think it's, it's been, um, my devotion to like reading and listening to, uh, to the course, but also these so many opportunities that I could never have fathomed just that came from the, the desire to give. And um, I remember when I first really tried it out, you know, I was very amazed. Um, like I, I do remember, I started to get, when I was reading the Course in the early years, I started to notice synchronicities and things like that. But then when I first started traveling in 1991 on like for a longer road trip, I was just blown away, uh, but I did. I was so much into that, listen, follow, and and give, and I, that was just my motive was always to give. What, wherever I was traveling, whatever I was doing, I basically just cut loose of of my desire to get things. Um, and I I knew there were still some things down there that were that would come up, but. Um, I like that when Jesus tells us, he says, you, you are really an idea. You have great difficulty thinking of yourself in terms of an idea. Uh, and, and he does tell us ideas are strengthened by being given away. So I think somehow I started to, to open to this idea that I was an idea. <laughs> it sounds kind of funny, but I, you know, I started to think of myself more as an idea that I would just, extend and share it and and just allow it to come through in in all kinds of different ways but mostly it was being friendly being kind being generous uh being trusting and then going on big long road trips where i would just go for it full force but i i didn't know where i was going to be where i would stay how things would work out, you know, it was just, it was such, but I did have that sense of, I I felt like Jesus was saying, I'm going to come through you, and just have to trust trust me in that, and I thought, oh, I, I will, I'll, I'll try that. So I was pleasantly surprised over and over again, really blown away is a better, better word for it, and I think it, it's it's almost like in the movie Lucy, you know, at the very end where she's she says she has to like crack open the cells or something like that. And she takes like huge quantities of of liquefied blue crystals like like she's going to really go for it, like she's she's going for the light and then 
they kind of, you know, the Morgan Freeman character is a little concerned. Are you sure you want that big of a dose? Yes, I, I need to crack the cells open. I think I went at the at my miracle working that way. I was just like saying, okay, I'm, I'm ready, I'm available, I'm willing, and I'll just kind of take it day by day. But I had to, to give myself over to get into the momentum of it. And it's part of that, those old constructs about the body and being taken care of and, and all these thoughts of what, when the body gets older and all these things. But for me, I just felt like I had such a strong calling and I just wanted to dive into that calling. And I do feel that that's just, I've just discovered that's the way it's gone. I mean, things have have been cared for, there's been so much care and everything's been taken care of in such a, a glorious way, but for me it, I think it was because I just got into the habit of not looking back, of just really staying with that feeling in my heart of wanting to give and extend and, and developing the faith and trust in that instead of the old analytical mind that I had, 10 years of university and figure it out and always look out for yourself and you know all the old programming. I, I just, uh, I had to say that it just got washed away as I really just would show up. It was like a paradox at the beginning because I mean I would I would be getting ready to go to a course group and Jesus would be like let's have some fun and I'm like I don't know these people and I'm not a speaker. I'm not a speaker and he's like just go into your heart and ha feel the feeling of having some fun like when you would go you know, to play, like when you were a child and you would go play in the creek. You know that feeling. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I do know that feeling. Kind of go into it and then then things would just seem to happen. But it's it's a bit like uh, like giving yourself over when you haven't been accustomed to doing that. You know, I was much more accustomed to just analytical thinking and trying to figure things out and prejudge things and you know it was just my my mode but Jesus was like yeah we'll 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 go past that just just come in here with me and practice with the simple things the little things just stay with me just stay with me and so that's that's what I would say you have you have a very sweet heart and and you just have to to stay with that and go into that and you have a great sincerity and it's it's really you have so much going for you that you just have to kind of lean on on that that innocence and that sweetness that you have inside you and it will it will keep expanding it will keep uh, even growing bigger and bigger uh, a, a big heart that just grows bigger and bigger and bigger and you know, to the ego it's like, well, yeah, what about the future? Well, actually that that is where the continuity is, is, is in that feeling of the heart, of, of really that warm, gushy, flowy feeling in the heart. That's, that's, that is the place to put your, your focus and your practice. And then everything, I just have to say, for me everything just clicks and falls into place, you know. 
Like Jesus is not joking when he says, I will arrange time and space for you. You know, you even with co-living, you, you wrote me a number of messages about uh, wanting to be in community. Well, then one time you wrote and you said, do you think in this lifetime that I'll ever get to be, live in community? And I remember the first word I wrote, perhaps. <laughs> and and that here we are, you know, you see that Jesus, he takes a perhaps and he's got, it's always much better than, than we can even imagine. You know, it's, it, the opportunities just grow and keep growing and keep expanding and expanding because the one who is leading us is so loving. Just, he has so much love and so much care for us. And our willingness to come toward that, that love, you know, is, is our part. And uh, you have it. You have that willingness. So you can relax in that. Thank you. <laughs> There's the heart, a red heart. Hi, David. <laughs> Hi, Lynn. I feel you addressed a lot of it at the end towards um, Robert. It wasn't really a question. It's just feeling this movie and what you've shared more than, than any of the ones I've joined on and just that, that remembrance of, of the giving. And I'm just feeling the, like it, it's the most important thing and, and feeling kind of that jadedness that, well, not jaded, like that innocence in, in the original seeking of just the desire to share and give and, and then how the ego can come into that with trying to get it right. And like today I was talking with a few people about the judgments, the spiritual judgments, and somehow that innocence gets lost that just, that initially was just about giving. And so I'm just really grateful for this movie and for you and, and I feel that remembrance, I feel that excitement, and everything else can go away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true, it's great. It's so good, it just starts to ignite in your heart, you know, and, and there is a simple, there's a simple joy with it, you know, just the, the thought, wow, I can just ride this giving and ride it all the way, because it's, uh, because that's where the purity is, that's the purification uh, force that's within us, or presence that's within us. So, so it's quite amazing to think that, that that's how simple the key is. The key is in our heart, and and just by giving it away. And then, it really is not kind of it's not an intellectual experience. And, and we don't, you know, the metaphysics. I think is kind of like uh, it's kind of like if in the backyard where you have a trampoline, and you have a child that wants to go out and play on the trampoline. And the trampoline is just there to help help assist with the play. But you know, when you get a child on a trampoline, they just start springing and springing and see how high they can go. You know, there's, they just go into it with glee. They just go right for the trampoline and, and go jumping higher and higher and higher. And I feel like the metaphysics are, are there just like the trampoline. They're just really to help us. Because there's a lot of great non-dual pathways on the planet. And actually, with the Course, it's just, it's so tender and it's so um, all-encompassing. Because it's, it's from Jesus and He just gives us really great metaphysics. And, 
And I have, I have enjoyed immersing myself and, and giving myself over to really be blessed by those metaphysics. But it's, Jesus would always laugh and he would say, well, yeah, yeah, the metaphysics, that's, that's the 1%. That's your 1% principle. And he said, it's now it's 99% practice. Like, get out on that trampoline and go flying, you know. Like, really, the trampoline is spectacular. It's an amazing trampoline, but still, it's meant to be played on. You know, it's meant to really go into the experience and have some, have some fun with it. And, and to really practice that, like, every day with, with all of the encounters, you know, that, that generosity, that giving. And, uh, and you will be shown, you know, I, I can see that you're sparked by it tonight, the movie and the talk and everything, and that's all you need, you know, that just gives you, it's like sending you for that trampoline, to go to that trampoline and really go soaring with it, and give yourself over to it, that's what I say, just give it, give it everything, and uh, see what happens <laughs> when you do that, yeah. Thank you. Okay, if you want to take some more questions, David? Yeah, maybe we can just have another one and see how it goes here. Okay, great. I'll go to Juliana there on Camus. Go ahead, Juliana. Hi, Juliana. Hello, Dave G. It's very good to talk to you. Thank you. So, um, what I'd like to share is um, um, a realization I have had in the last few months, and it's deepening, deepening. And uh, so I have a struggle for a couple of few years with gratitude. And uh, um, let's say the last couple months, I finally am getting clarity on this. And what uh, the Holy Spirit has showed me is that... Um, True gratitude is not for what is in the dream, but it is by aligning with God, because it's God's quality. I am so filled up that the only answer from all the love I receive is gratitude towards God, right? It's like uh, exactly the same idea of giving, I understand, because uh, we feel so full that there is no other option than simply extend this, right? And uh, during the movie today, I had a very interesting um, insight, Holy Spirit worked well for me, like, uh, so... Also, I have struggled, struggled with uh, fear in my solar plexus for many years. And uh, the last year got very clear for me that the reason why the fear got to build up inside me was because I was resisting. And I didn't have an idea, a clear idea that I was resisting. I thought I was feeling the feeling and facing all this. But what I want to do, the relation between the two things is now that I am really learning, deepening, and feeling this, it's very interesting how when I 
am open to feel and allow this pass through me, always the result is peace. And this, this result, this peace I feel, I want to return also, and it's giving also, right? So I feel again, fill up full of peace, love, and I want to give back. can be for my, uh, like my, my companions, or can be back to God again, because it's the gratitude towards God for, like, uh, I am able to not make this real anymore many times, and... Uh, I can be grateful and give back. So I want to share because I think it's has been a huge breakthrough. This it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, that's so great because just you know it comes down to to really allowing ourselves to feel that peace and that happiness and joy, and realizing that 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 feeling and that state of mind is such it's it's the gift, and then. We start to, it starts to feel more involuntary, like I was just talking to Ken before we started, I was saying, oh, I, I saw you were reading uh, in Portuguese from the course, I said, oh, what a beautiful, I've, we've had this Facebook uh, Portuguese page for some time now, and I said, that just lights the page up. Um, it, it, it brings the gift of, of what you're feeling, and it just like a cup that a fountain that just spills over and splashes over and then it starts to feel it's so joyful and it's so easy but it's so different than the way that we looked at the world before like we were doing something or you know because when kids are really playing they're not thinking about playing you know it's they're just in the glee the happiness of playing and and the state of mind is everything and they don't really think of anything else because, because they're in it. So that's, that's the greatest gift is just to feel that gratitude, but it's really for God. It's, you, it's not really directed at anything of the dream. It's just, just like thank you, thank you, thank you to, to the Creator. And then it just keeps flowing. The cup overflows and just keeps overflowing and overflowing. And the, and then you start to think, wow, this is, this is so simple. Uh, this is, it can't get any simpler than this. So thank you for, for that. You're, you're my latest, my newest Facebook friend. And now I see you're just starting to shine and share. You went out to Mirror Lake and, you know, we're just watching and enjoying all the signs and symbols. But I just love to see that you're so happy and, and just sharing your happiness. It's, it's so touching, so thank you. Well, that's we've done pretty good. I think we had a great, great night. <laughs> it's been fantastic. It's just so great to join together in this way. It's so intimate and, and it's so, it's like showers of love coming down on, on all of us, so yeah, just thank you for participating and thank you for being here and uh, sharing what's on your heart. And yeah, we always love it when we come on Wednesday. I, I'm just going through the day just kind of just praying and praying and, and it wasn't until a little bit before I came over tonight I started really feeling this movie. It's like it just comes into my heart and uh, 
Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen it, but every time I watch it, I'm so touched. So thank you all for joining, and we love you, and we send our hearts out to you, and yeah, we'll do this again. We'll just keep on, on sharing, and good afternoon, good evening, good night. <laughs> and I think there was a Peter in Australia, maybe that's, it could be in the morning even, I don't know. <laughs> Whatever it is in Australia. <laughs> Thank you. Ha <laughs> ha.